2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hey, everybody! It's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, August 21st Eclipse Edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. With me today, my colleague Derek Van Riper. We're going to be doing this on Mondays all season long, Derek. Huh?
2: Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. I always like recapping the games after they happen, and in this time of year too, there's always a ton to talk about.
1: Yeah, there and, and we've got some games to. I mean, preseason, you shouldn't want to read too much into it, but there's always something to read into things. I think the, the weirdest news of the weekend is Anquan Bolden on Sunday. I, 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 I think we all had this vision of Anquan Bolden in Buffalo. He's there, and he's 36 years old, and he we said, well, I don't know how good he's going to be, but he's going to get eight touchdowns, especially since there's no one else. Anquan Bolden told the Bills on Sunday that he's retiring. Um So now what do you do with the Bills receivers? There's more red zone targets to go around, I guess, right? Yeah,
2: someone's going to step up in the red zone. Maybe the tight end, Charles Clay, ends up being a little more viable. Uh, This is a mess. I mean, this was a team that even with Anquan Bolton had some major questions that needed to be answered in the group of pass catchers. Could they move Jordan Matthews from primary slot receiver to the outside? You know, I guess that's an option. Andre Holmes is going to play a lot. Zay Jones, as a rookie, could see a good number of targets. I think it's going to be one of those systems, though, where the production is so spread out. It's like the widest, most dead receiver tree ever. <laughs> and it's going to be really difficult to extract any sort of value from anyone in this offense other than LaShawn McCoy and Jordan Matthews. Like everybody else is going to be maddeningly inconsistent. The kind of players that when you're desperate for help, a wide receiver, you're going to see Andre Holmes have like a five for eighty to TD chase him on waivers. And the next week he's going to go, you know, one for 12. And it's going to be just horrible like that all season long.
1: He's still Andre Holmes, everybody, even with a better role. Just remember, Um, are you buying into, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people I've talked to over the last month here, when, when we talk about waiting on quarterbacks and say, you know, I'm going to pass on the Brady's and the Rodgers and the breeze and even the guys further down. And I feel like Tyrod Taylor's a name I've heard a lot. People seem to be souring on him. I mean, you know, he didn't play well the other night. I know it's a preseason game, but the way the bills are going, it has gone from not a great situation to a potential train wreck. And now it's, well, how long will Tyrod Taylor keep the job? Because they don't want him long term. Anyway, I feel like Tyrod Tyrod Taylor's fantasy draft stock just for 2017 has, has dropped precipitously over the last couple of weeks. Is that fair? It seems like it. I
2: mean, it's, I don't know if expectations for Taylor should really be that different though. I mean, he's thrown for 3,000 yards in back-to-back seasons and I don't think with the weapons he has around him, with the way this team's built, he's going to be asked to throw it much more than he has in the past. He accrues a lot of that value with what he does as a runner, that he still has that ability. 6.1 yards per attempt last year when he ran it, six rushing scores. I think the weird thing with the Bills is that they don't seem to be infatuated with Tyrod Taylor. Like, they don't seem right. to really look at him as their solution at the position. But then I look at Nathan Peterman, you know, fifth rounder out of pit, TJ Yates. And I don't see that other option, like on the depth chart. Like, who, are, they, are they really going to make Nathan Peterman their next quarterback if, <laughs> if, if they go through the first six weeks and they're one and five or two and four and Taylor's not playing well? Do you really go to Peterman? Because the Bills, even though they're in a rebuild,
1: are they trying to tank like the Jets? Like to me, I, I, don't, I don't quite see it that way. Right. Uh, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think they know that when they made the Watkins trade, we all looked and said, okay, they're, com- they're committed to a rebuild. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if they're that, com- you know, if they would just want to tear it down in the middle of a season. So, all right. Um, okay. What well, last one on them. You mentioned McCoy. So – I mean, do you do you buy that they could? I, I feel like now what's what's going on with the bills? People are everything is up for speculation, and who the heck knows what it means? But I think one of the things I feel like I've read in a decent number of places was, hey, maybe they trade McCoy. Do you, do you buy that? When you look at drafting McCoy, do you look and does it make you look at him differently right now? I you know I'm not really banking on
2: anything like that. I, it would be sort of unprecedented for a player of that caliber to get moved this late in the preseason but as we saw with you know the deals a couple of weeks ago like they're they're certainly looking to put their stamp on the front office or on the roster rather the new front office trying to make the roster their own Uh, and and with shady i mean are you gonna get more than like a second round pick back for him probably not but that's actually pretty good for a running back at that stage of his career he's 29 years old so if you're thinking about Cutting him after the season anyway, why wouldn't you trade him right now for a draft pick? so I, I guess there could be some truth to it, but then the question comes down to you know what teams are willing to give up a second round pick for a running back? like what teams do you think are only a good running back away from at least making a push towards a wild card berth? and I think that list is pretty short right now i mean I, I think a team like Denver could sort of be a fit, but I think they They like that combination of guys they've got in there right now between CJ Anderson, Jamal Charles, D'Angelo Henderson's had a nice preseason. I I guess maybe the lions could be one of those teams that says, you know, we're, we're not really sold in Abdullah as a lead back and Mm -hmm. McCoy would make a difference maker for us. I mean, the the Packers would never do it because that's just not how their their line of thinking works, Like they would not give up a second round pick for a veteran player. Right. But imagine LaShawn McCoy added to that green Bay offense. So, You kind of go through team by team and there's not a clear cut. This is a great fit and they would do it. Uh, Maybe the Giants could be on that short list. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's some there's some Paul Perkins skeptics out there and LaShawn McCoy would be a pretty big upgrade for them. They've got a a playoff caliber defense, got the pass catchers. They got a established quarterback situation. I don't want to call you a good quarterback at this stage of his career, but that could be one of the missing pieces for the Giants, I guess.
1: I think that's a good point. And otherwise, you'd have to wait for an injury. Like what if Le'Veon Bell got hurt or something like that um, and someone was desperate? That might be your know, I agree with that. It, w- it would be kind of unprecedented for something like this to happen. All right, everybody. Um, we would like to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Um, Twitter, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at helping 37 You can also tweet us at RotoWire. Get lots of player updates at RotoWire NFL, and you can always find us on Facebook. Also, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, reviews and ratings always appreciated. Everybody. Um, all right, we're going to spend a lot of today today's show talking about news that happened over the week two of the preseason. Um, I mentioned Le'Veon Bell. Sounds like he's going to come in next week after game three. Is the word on Le'Veon? Is is this anything? I mean, uh, are, I'm shrugging my shoulders at this. Are, are you?
2: Um, same, same as you. I'm looking at the situation and saying this is Le'Veon Bell's walk year. He's doing everything he needs to do to prepare himself for the season. The Steelers can't, in some fit of frustration with him, bench him when the season starts. <laughs> right. They're just they're not going to do that. And it, it's just it's one of those stalemates that when they resolve it, things go right back to status quo. So it's plenty of time. I think. The point where I would have started to worry about Le'Veon Bell not being with his teammates is like Labor Day, you know, the Monday leading into week one. At that point, that's where there would have been a downgrade for me on the board. It sounds like he's going to report before that. And I expect him to be, you know, a top three overall type player this year. If I'm drafting today, sure, David Johnson is my choice over Le'Veon Bell. But if Bell reports the camp the next week, that could easily flip. I mean, I think with with Bell... It comes down to the Bell Johnson question, I think comes down to how much you trust the offensive pieces around those two players and Carson Palmer versus Ben Roethlisberger. You know, Roethlisberger also has some durability problems, doesn't play well on the road, but I still trust the Steelers offense probably because of Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant, what he brings to the table as well as just being a more explosive and consistent offense week to week where the Cardinals, I could see, could struggle offensively, play good defense, still be a good team, but not be as dynamic as we would like from a fantasy perspective. And that could you know, slightly reduce the value of David
1: Johnson. All right. I actually had an MFL that I made my pick right before I called you, and it went David Johnson and then Antonio. So I got Bell with the third pick. That was pretty nice. Excited. I know. Real nice. Yeah. And my, my dad's the one who took Antonio, so I'm going to have to call him and give him a little grief about that one after we're done. Um, all right. Next up, Jordan Reed. Off the pup list. However, he's wearing orthotics in his shoes to deal with his sprained toe. I've been asking this a little much lately, but at what point do you look at Jordan Reed and you keep reading this news and you go, I I just just don't want this. I don't want any part of this. I I know he's really good. I know he's a red zone threat. Stuff like this just keeps happening with Jordan Reed. Well, I think
2: I've always looked at Jordan Reed as a player that I'm willing to let somebody else – beat me with him on their roster because it's not just one injury with him. You know, it's the, the concussions alone are at a point where when, or if he suffers his next one, it's going to be a really lengthy absence. And he's got a toe problem right now. Uh, his shoulder trouble last year was also an issue. You go back through year over year, hamstrings have been a problem for him in the past. It's always something. And I think with that, I just need more of a discount than what his current ADP is showing us. He's pretty much like a top 50 player. Most of the drafts I do, somebody's willing to take Jordan Reed around that four or five turn. And I'm not there. I, I know on a per game basis, he could return and even exceed value in that spot. But players that are dinged up all the time and guys that miss games too, of course, they're so frustrating to own in season when they have the, Questionable game time decision, and you're sitting there Sunday morning, and you're thinking, okay, Jordan Reed, he should be better than Charles Clay or someone like we just talked about earlier. But at the same time, like the, the Redskins said, maybe Jordan Reed's going to play 20 or 25 snaps instead of the usual 50 plus. So then you start overthinking it because you get extra information about a player who's dinged up, and the air on the side of caution, you play Charles Clay. He does Charles Clay things, and by that I mean he doesn't do anything. And Jordan Reed scores on one of his you know, 20 snaps that he plays. And you're just continually frustrated right. by the difficulty of those decisions and the possibility that something just wipes him out for several weeks in a row. And tight end, in the deeper the league, the harder it is to replace Jordan Reed. And this, this idea for me kind of applies to every fantasy sport. The, the smaller the league, the more risk tolerant I am. Right. You know, if it's a 10-team league, I'll take on Jordan Reed. I'll take on a Gronkowski. I'll, I'll roll the dice on, on a, a very injury-plagued player in a 10-team league. But you get to the 14-team leagues especially, you know, like the NFFC Classic, a lot of our staff leagues are that size. I'm staying away from players that are that risky because replacing them becomes
1: so much more difficult. Right. Are you generally a, a handcuffer?
2: No, not really. I, I think when I first started playing fantasy football, I thought that was a really good idea. And over time, I've realized there's just more potential – upside in having somebody else's backup you know trying to get right. two situations right instead of laying up and trying to just get one
1: okay because i was gonna i, I, I read some, i forget who it was last night um about someone suggested the idea is if you do jordan reed then draft Vernon davis
2: to, well see the, that's the interesting thing is the tight end position could be an exception like i think of handcuffing always as a running back sort of question right. but you're right with jordan reed and i think even with rob gronkowski with dwayne allen yeah. I mean, part part of the appeal of drafting a top end quarterback or a top end tight end is that you probably don't have to roster a backup all season. Now, a drawback in the case of Gronk or Reed is that you would maybe want a backup, but the easiest way to do that without spending anything is to draft Allen or Davis. I mean they're they're just free at the end of the draft. Right. And you still got to make that little move when the bye week comes along, but you know you're in a good situation, especially with Allen. If something does happen to Gronk, where you kind of cut the line. I mean, if if Gronkowski's down, don't you think Dwayne Allen's going to pop up as a top tight end? Yes. Like top ten, like every single week and weekly rankings. Like that's going to be a consensus opinion if Gronk goes down.
1: Right, I agree. Uh, I think Dwayne Dwayne Allen's the, for me. Cause I, I I like Dwayne Allen. I, I, I've been thinking about it more. I even I like Dwayne Allen. Even if I'm if I'm doing the weight on a tight end game. And I don't like my options, you know, when I get down to tight end, 11, 12, whatever. I, I think walking in with Dwayne Allen is, is not a half bad idea just because I, I think even if Gronk stays relatively healthy, Dwayne Allen could put up the numbers that Martellus Bennett did last year, which were pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I, we liked Allen a lot in
2: other situations where he had to share snaps with players in Indy. And now he's in arguably a better situation with regard to an offense that moves the ball even more effectively. And one that has done it with two tight ends in a few different combinations over the years. I mean, Bennett last year, people forget 55 catches, 701 yards, seven TDs, 9.6 yards per target. Yep. And I I think Allen at this stage of his career could come close to matching those numbers. You know, if Gronk is hobbled as often as he was a year ago. And if Gronk misses a lot of time, again, I think people are going to be
1: scrambling to the wire, throwing a lot of fab at Dwayne Allen. I think you're right. Um, next player I want to go to John Brown. He, about a month ago, John Brown was a hot name among people who do what we do. You know, everybody was thinking, Hey, this is, maybe he could look like he did in 2015 when he had a thousand yards receiving, because he's the only deep threat the Cardinals have. And now he's healthy. His last year was just a mess for him. And now he's not healthy again. And Bruce Arians is just having... Uh, at least, if you believe what he says, he's having none of this. He's, you know, I can't trust the guy. I don't know when he's going to play. And you know, generally, let's see. I mean, he's got to wait. I'm trying to see the quotes here. He, he's basically hinting that I don't know if the guy's going to be on the team. Is it? Is it? Are you? Is he? Are you crossing him off? I mean, a price. Every everybody has a price. But are you basically crossing John Brown off your wish list? You know, it's kind of it's
2: a sad story because with the sickle cell trait it seems like John Brown is just physically compromised to the point where the nagging muscular injuries that NFL players are always battling are going to have more of an impact on him. Right. And it's a healing issue, year, right? Yeah. It's just, it's a recovery thing. And it's, it's like a more extreme case, kind of like with Jordan Reed where he said, okay, even, even if for the handful of games, he's completely healthy. He's a great player and he's he's a great downfield threat. You have Carson Palmer, who's, two years older than when John Brown had the thousand yard season Brown's own health as a concern. And I think there's some frustration on the part of Bruce Arians too, with, with how this is playing out, which it's not John Brown's fault. Like this is just genetics, just bad genes. It's just what's happening to him. And I, I have no faith in John Brown being productive this year. I, I maybe as like a final, like a final round dart, if, if people are just ignoring him completely, but I think there are enough questions about him anyway, where I wasn't jazzed up to take him as an eighth or ninth round pick. And now I'm just kind of avoiding him until the end game. And I don't expect him to fall that far.
1: Okay. So does this make you look at one of their other receivers as sort of a late sleeper now, whether it's Jaron Brown or Nelson or somebody? Yes. Jaron Brown, uh, I think is kind of interesting, right? Because
2: Uh, As our our colleague Mario Puig pointed out, Jaron Brown played at Clemson in college. He played on a Clemson team that had DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Martavis Bryant, Adam (laughs) Humphreys, and Sharon Peak also on the depth chart at wide receiver. So if you wonder why Jaron Brown wasn't productive in college, it's because he had, what, top 10 talent, like three top 10 wide receiver NFL talents on that depth chart with him. So there's not enough to go around, right? And they had Andre Ellington on that team catching some passes out of the backfield. So Mm -hmm. what what an amazing pass catchers on one roster. I think he is a good deep sleeper. And I think he's probably the guy best suited to step up. I know they they have um, a rookie they drafted who Bruce Arians has already kind of said tempered the expectations. Chad Williams the guy that eventually could have a role, but I think it's more 2018 and beyond as opposed to contributions this year. So yeah, I think Jerron Brown is really interesting because he can, he can play a lot on the outside. J.J. Nelson, I think, is also going to get some shots downfield. J.J. Nelson was already sort of appealing in best ball formats as a really late pick, a, a guy that could have maybe three or even four games over the course of the year that end up popping into your lineup because he's such a good big play threat. So now I think a few more targets go his way, too. You know, yeah. if John Brown's missing a lot of time, J.J. Nelson's target volume could push up close to 100 And if you give him 100 targets, he only catch 45 or 50 of them. But if he can do 10 yards per target or close to that, that's going to be a
1: useful player. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, And he's going to cost you nothing, like you said. Um, One more injury guy here. Uh, Mike Illisley, still not playing. Another one, a month ago. People were falling all over themselves to get Mike Gillisley. Oh, I got to draft him in round four. And this guy's going to be great. And blunt roll and all 18 touchdowns and all that. People didn't predict 18 touchdowns, but you know what I mean. Um, and he's not playing. Um, one, of the, one of the beat writers, I think it was Mass Live or Boston Herald um, on Sunday, had a story basically saying your safest bet to lead the backfield in touches is Burkhead. Who, I'm, I'm mad about reading that because I was one of those, you know, hey, I'm going to sneak Burkhead in the 14th round, people. Uh, what do we what do you do with Gillisley right now? What what's what's your what's your risk tolerance on him as far as where you could pick him? Yeah, it
2: was weird because there was a point when the Scott Fishbowl drafts were happening uh in the, during the All-Star break for MLB is when they started. And Gillisley, I think, was going in the fourth round, some of those drafts, which at the time, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, Really? And I was I was I remember I was at the the cabana actually talking to a, a few colleagues and uh, Vlad Settler among them. I'm like, Vlad, you like Gillisley, you know, you know, make your make your case. And it's, it's a combination of what you see, the, the eye test, the stats, 5.7 yards per carry back to back seasons and just how good the Patriots offense is. And yeah, re- reasonable arguments, the same arguments I think a lot of people are, are making. And uh, the, the problem I'm having now, it's more just the reality of how the New England backfield usually works. I think Lagares Blunt has made us forget what Bill Belichick usually does at running back. In in some ways, where you know, we saw Blunt pile up to 299 carries last year, and now we're thinking, well, the Patriots are going to lean on a lead back again. Like I don't think that's going to be the case. I think part of that was Brady's suspension. Part of that was Dion Lewis missing the first part of the season. I don't think they like James White at all as a runner out of the back. I think they love him as a pass catcher. So that was as much personnel as anything else. I mean if they really liked Lagarrett Blunt, he'd still be there. Right. So so you look at that situation, you think, all right, they mix and match a lot. They wanted more dynamic players. Blunt doesn't catch passes. Both like Gillisley, I think, can actually catch some passes. He just wasn't asked to do that in Buffalo. Burkhead, so we saw it a little bit in Cincinnati too. The risk tolerance thing for me on Gillisley, I think he's gonna fall to like the seventh or eighth right now before I, I do that. Because he's 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 still hurt. And Burkhead's had a chance to impress. And when you talk about two players that come in with relatively small free agent deals, I, I don't think there's an overwhelming push to make Gillisley the guy. Right. And I, I just think it's, you know, who's playing well? I think that's all the Patriots care about anyway. I think they can quickly look at a player and it, it, they're, 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 they're the first organization to make great decisions regardless of, of past achievements or anything that would normally matter to other teams. But the other classic example of this Seattle and in in Russell Wilson's rookie year they just given Matt Flynn that deal in free agency they didn't care they just they started right. Russell Wilson in week 1 the patriots have that kind of mindset and i think that's where the the burkhead
1: as the week 1 starter idea that's where it makes a lot of sense all right so i'm looking at adps from mfl right now let's let's think ppr okay would you rather james white in round 11 or Burkhead or Dion Lewis in say round fifteen. Oh, the Burkhead in
2: the fifteenth every time because there's there's the chance that Burkhead not only you know leads the backfield in carries, but that he also does catch twenty or twenty five passes. Yeah. I mean I, I think the Patriots are also gonna group their personnel in a lot of interesting ways. That's one of the things that having more versatile running backs allows them to do. You can put two pass catching backs on the field at the same time with two tight ends potentially and good luck like how do you, how do you defend that i mean maybe you run cooks on the outside like have have fun defending the patriots the patriots and the packers this year if if they stay healthy which most teams don't but if they can somehow stay healthy with the groups they have right now they're going to be ridiculously difficult teams to defend and they always i mean they always are they're always good offenses but we could see both kind of tick up to another level right like i think i think people are underestimating how good martellus bennett's going to be the rest of the players in that green bay
1: passing game mm-hmm. okay um yeah it's funny i i it made this made me this conversation made me think of the panthers and some people are going to laugh and say i always think of the panthers but uh, you know th- when they drafted mccaffrey and curtis samuel and everybody made the big deal about the positionless offense and you know when you think about it i mean the, the patriots are probably nodding their heads going yeah right of course <laughs> we move guys around all the time so this is not yeah. such a big deal <laughs>
2: Um, Scheme to personnel. Great coaches are going to always scheme to the personnel and they're going to do it well. And that's clearly why the Patriots have as much success as they do. Yep.
1: Everyone, we want to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, and where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play, easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. You can sign up today at rotowire.com yahoo and download that yahoo fantasy sports app which has been rated number one by the fantasy sports trade association for three years in a row. The yahoo fantasy app messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk that your league can muster. It's just as extensive as the desktop experience. It lets you draft trade and comb waiver options right on your phone. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football. Rotawire.com slash Yahoo. That's Rotawire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. Derek, do you, have you been drafting on Yahoo yet?
2: I have not, actually. Okay. It's, uh, it's unfortunate because I actually really like the Yahoo platform quite a bit. Yeah. E- even, if they, even if they were not sponsoring the podcast, I would say <laughs> good things about the Yahoo fantasy game because uh, i do like it
1: i'm with you i think i start my first yahoo draft next week but yeah maybe during during preseason week three i can have the app open and, and start drafting people you, or, know. you know the weird the
2: weird thing is we, we play the the stopa law firm league on there but we draft live in, in vegas we do our auction every year during the all-star break now so i don't think i've actually had a draft on yahoo in three or four years just the way it's worked out with how my leagues are set up and where the where they're played out right
1: how many leagues a year are you in by the way generally?
2: Uh, I've been sticking to like seven the last few years. This year is probably going to be closer to 10. Yeah. And did you count best ball leagues when people say, how many leagues are you in? Do you yes. just throw those out? I count you, them, but yes, they, I know there's an asterisk next to them. I mean, cause I, I think of it from a, how many leagues do you have to go through and set up waivers for? Like that's, that's how I look at it. And it's, it, it's not because I I don't like setting up waivers it's just because it takes a lot of time. And, and the more leagues you have to manage in season, the, the uglier your Tuesday morning, afternoon and evening can become. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I feel the last few years I've cut down on leagues to where I mean, I think last year I was five leagues and one of them was a the best ball. But I just want I get to this point. And next week, and I start looking around, I'm going, does anyone else have another league that I can jump in? I feel like I'm not mm-hmm. in enough, but uh, you yep. know, keeping it lower, I don't know. I, I like it. It's, it's too hard. It, it makes Sundays less fun because I root for too many people. It, yeah, and I, I
2: heard the episode where you had uh, the first one where you had Jim Coventry on. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how Jim has the discipline to not watch the apps the way right. the rest of us do. You know, to have the laptop and the phone going in addition to the TV's. I just don't know how he does that. Like that's, he's, he's, that's incredible. That's an incredible level of discipline
1: that I aspire to. Someone else said the same thing at the same time. I don't know if it was Mike Clay or somebody, but did the same thing where I said, you know what? I just tune out on, on Sunday and, and get back to it on Monday or Sunday night. I'm like, you're a better man than me. I don't know. I can't, I agree with you. That's, that's a lot of discipline that I don't have right now. All right. Um, more from the weekend. So Dalvin Cook, I feel like we've talked a bunch about Dalvin Cook. It started when I was talking with Peter Shanky because he does—he's uh, a Vikings fan and he covers the Vikings for Rotowire. D- Dalvin Cook has become more of a favorite as the preseason has gone on. Now to the point where people are going crazy. He's the 13th running back off the board in NFLs. Um, his stock is just going up, up, up. It's going to cost you at this point if you want Dalvin Cook. W- what? How, how much would you pe- invest round-wise for Dalvin Cook at this point?
2: I think he's been, for me, for a couple of weeks, a guy I would take the first three rounds. And it's, it's funny because running back, as we've seen, just thins out so quickly. Where I kind of like Cook's setup even more than Leonard Fournette's right now. And I look at Cook and if it's PPR, Christian McCaffrey as my two favorite backs right now. Mixon versus Fournette's kind of a toss up, even though Fournette should get more touches. I- I'm 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 increasingly worried that the Bengals could screw up the Joe Mixon thing, at least from a fantasy <laughs> perspective. For how much he costs, the Latavius Murray absence throughout this preseason is great for Cook. He's had a lot of opportunities to impress the coaches. McCaffrey, if if you watch the Christian McCaffrey highlights right now and aren't excited about him. Yeah. I can't help you like I I just there's nothing I can do because he looks like a really dynamic player and if you're a Panthers fan you have to be feeling a lot better about the offense after seeing McCaffrey for these first two preseason games than you had any point during the offseason he's such a
1: natural receiver
2: and he's so fast too yeah I mean he, he, he looks like when you're watching McCaffrey it looks like you're fast forwarding him at like one and a half times speed <laughs> and everybody else is just at one, like right. they're just at normal speed. And you're just like, what is going on? But good vision, good hands, great speed. I, and I think we're going to, we might look back at this as a, as a really good class of rookie running backs. And, you know, as fantasy people, we hype up rookie running backs all the time, but this is a really great group because Leonard Fournette as arguably the best prospect in a vacuum of the bunch maybe the fourth or fifth most productive back of the bunch this year, thanks to Blake Bortles and the wet blanket effect he has on oh. that Jags offense.
1: Right. Um, yeah. I, uh, so, so Dalvin Cook. All right, here's, a, here's my question about Dalvin Cook. And I know I've talked about th- this, like I said, a little much about how, because there's other mouths to feed. The one, I, I get that Latavius Murray is just a guy, but McKinnon, and now, now I was one of the McKinnon Truthers, and I'm past that. But as a third down back, he's still pretty good. And I know Dalvin Cook can catch the ball, but what what do you think they do with that? How much does McKinnon see the field in those situations? Unfortunately, I think Jarek McKinnon
2: is trending into that pass catching specialist role because he was so inefficient last year uh, as a runner, 3.4 yards per carry, that the Vikings, I think, have kind of cast him into that role. So I, I, unless Cook gets hurt, McKinnon is just an afterthought, not, not even a guy that I'd want as like a pass-catching specialist in PPR because I don't think he's going to catch 60 balls or anything like that. Okay. Cook can catch passes. I mean, like that's, that's the thing about Delvin Cook that I think people it would be a little bit concerned about. He's a rookie. Maybe pass protection's not good, not on the field in those situations. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think he can handle it at least at a level where the Vikings are going to trust him to get out there and catch some passes. He got 33 last year in 13 games at Florida state. Mm-hmm. A lot of running backs don't catch that many passes in college. So I, I like the setup a lot for Delvin cook. I'd like him as a guy that's going the late part of round three. The tricky question is, you know, as you kind of look at the two, three turn, if you're coming out with an early third round pick, do you bump him up ahead of Lamar Miller? Do you take him over Christian McCaffrey? If it's a non PPR scenario, like there's some little wrinkles in there once those top 10 backs are gone that I think makes it really challenging earlier in round three to decide if you're going to go ahead and take that plunge.
1: Yep. All right. Yeah. I I think the thing I'm worried about with cook is McKinnon being on the, getting him off the field on some passing downs, but you don't sound too concerned about that. Okay. Uh, next I want to go to Denver. It sounds like Trevor Simeon has a pretty commanding lead in the quarterback derby there. Um, last year, Demarius Thomas, 90 for 10, 83 and five. Emmanuel Sanders, 79 for 10, 32 and five. Uh, depending on what you're, I'm looking at one PPR ranking right now. Demarius was wide receiver 15. Sanders was wide receiver 25. Are you comfortable with projecting those guys right around those spots?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think in
1: both cases with Thomas and Sanders, it
2: would probably be smart to knock five or 10% off the projection at least in terms of where you're going to draft them. And if they slide a little bit, you feel pretty good about the floor. If they go for sticker price, you're probably okay with that because you really can't see the production going back up. Can you like even if Paxton Lynch takes over at some point, that doesn't make me feel any better about the Denver offense. And I think the, the way Denver is going to be more productive offensively is just to get more out of the running game. Whatever combination of Anderson, Charles Booker, D'Angelo Henderson, whatever they do at running back this year, that's where any week-to-week improvements for this offense come from.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And this, I mean, maybe those with that amount of targets, you would hope that one of them has the touchdowns go up, but you can't, you can't bet on it. It's just not enough. They're not going to throw enough touchdowns to have too many more than that. Um, all right, Philly. There was a report, I think, on Sunday out of Philly, and it came from a couple of people. About it wasn't talking to the GM or the coach. It was more looking at the Eagles roster and how things were going, and a couple of people saying one of them, was, and Adam Kaplan covers him pretty closely, saying, "I don't know if Legarrette Blunt is a lock to make this team." Now, I, I think that would be a a radical thing to happen, but does it make you look at Legarrette Blunt a little differently? It it does. It's very
2: unexpected because I would have assumed the Eagles knew. Limitations of Legarrette Blunt from day one upon signing him that he's not going to come in and catch all the passes and they want backs that catch passes that's not going to do it so it comes down to mixing and matching personnel they just don't have is Wendell Smallwood a guy that you look at and say yeah he's going to be a feature back in the NFL and he's going to be effective in that role like that's that's kind of the interesting wrinkle with this because I wasn't really thinking about Smallwood as a player to throw a late dart at. Even even with a guy like Blunt, I mean, a smart team like the Patriots will usually be a year early rather than a year late on letting a player go. Yeah. So Blunt could be good this year. But Philly's offensive line is all supposed to be good too. Yes, some right. best lines in the league. So that kind of thought made me think, OK, look, Blunt's got a decent floor. Yeah, maybe he gets eight TDs instead of 18. But with 200 carries, you know, there's going to be weeks where he's a pretty steady RB too, at the very least. And he wasn't priced up at all all this draft season. So I think the price is coming down. I get it. I understand why I'm just not convinced that they have an alternative on that roster right now. I mean, Smallwood's been slowed by a hamstring injury He's back in practice Sunday. Certainly some some good news. Uh, But how much do you think this is just riding on how LeGarrette Blunt has looked in these first two preseason games? He's got 17 yards on nine carries and he's lost a fumble. Right. Are are teams making a decision on nine preseason carries for a veteran player?
1: I think probably not. But I think maybe you look at him. And you think of the the Doug Peterson and the offense he ran in Kansas city and things like that. And you look and you go, I don't, I don't know if blunt, I I just think aesthetically, I mean, it's maybe it's more than that. That blunt doesn't look like a great fit because that's not the way they, you know, it's that big bruising backs is not the way that offense generally works. Right.
2: Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's easy to remember too, that Doug Peterson's from the Andy Reed coaching tree. Andy Reed doesn't usually have, backs like that right and look at the the Kareem Hunt getting reps with the first team situation right now like that's pretty interesting and Peterson probably runs everything in a very similar way to Andy Reid because that's the coach that he worked with the most so I I could definitely see them making the decision to cut LeGarrette Blunt, but I just have no feel for whether or not they really think Wendell Smallwood's the answer I don't know if they like Corey Clement the guy they picked up out of Wisconsin undrafted free agent I mean that he he was productive on a volume basis last year but I don't know if I see him as an NFL starter or anything close to it really
1: right and just for blunt everybody before I'm not I wouldn't say we're sounding alarm bells here because your cost he's going off the board as the 32nd running back I know this is PPR which is not his thing round eight I'm, I'm still fine taking him there considering the offensive line that we talked about I'm I'm you know, that, that's that's good for me. I still wouldn't mind having him on some teams. So how many games last year? Just
2: guessing you played all 16. In how many games do you think did LeGarrette Blunt fail to average 3.5 yards per carry? I, I don't know. Do I have to look? You got it? No, you don't have to look. No, I got I got <laughs> it. Six of them. There, there were six games where he was under 3.5 yards per carry wow. last year. OK. Uh, and two of those were late in the year against Denver on the road. But Denver's a good defense. and yes. The Jets in week 16. I don't know if, if, if that was part of it. Just late in the year, he really faded 3.6 yards per carry in Week 17 against Miami. If that was what ultimately led the Patriots to say, okay, this guy was great for us the way we used him, but it's not going to continue. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could just be done. It's, it's it's possible. But he also, because he hasn't been a starter year over year since entering the league, he also doesn't have the same mileage that That's a right. lot of 30-year-old backs have either. So it's it's really weird to me that they would sign him in the first place if he didn't fit their system. And I guess it'd be less weird that they cut him, just realizing that he doesn't do the things they they want him to do.
1: Yep. All right, everybody. As we have been telling you, football season's right around the corner, uh, so you've got to get your fantasy leagues ready. And um, at, you know, I keep talking about I've been doing this for thirty years, and you know, everything. I mean, we like we talked about our friends at Yahoo, and and the platform's terrific. Um, but you know, sometimes you are and and on your phones, you're looking for something new, and and we've come across SleeperBot. And SleeperBot is, is gener- generously sponsoring this podcast, so we appreciate it. Um, I got to tell you, it, it's different. It, it's, it's kind of a game changer. You, you know, I look through it, it. You can set up a leak in three taps on your phone screen. Um, easy to invite people. It's got a full suite of features to help the commissioner, and that you know that's that's not easy being commissioner, as we talked about. And it looks really good; has a really cool draft board. You can cast to any TV, by the way, which is pretty cool. Lots of fun animations there. Um, it kind of feels more modern, social, fun. It, it's really, really good. You should check out Sleeperbot. Um, now that I've seen it, we're actually going to do a listener league. Derek, you gonna, you want to be in this with me? The the Sleeperbot yeah. listener league. I think I got more room. You got for, more room. League. We but, both yeah. need to
2: join other leagues, we said, right? So, yeah, if, uh, especially if we can go best ball with it, I'm, I'm definitely on best ball. I'm 50 50 if it's, uh, you know, in season maintenance.
1: Got it. All right. I'll check out and see the best ball options on SleeperBot. But everybody, please check out the SleeperBot app. Just go to the app store, look for SleeperBot. Your commissioner and lead mates are going to thank you for it if you're looking at something different. That's SleeperBot. Thanks a lot, SleeperBot, for contributing to the Road to Wire Fantasy Football podcast. Okay. Um, over to more week two reactions. Um, Cooper Cup. Raise your hand if you love Cooper Cup right now. I know Jared Goff raising his hand because Jared Goff <laughs> threw to Cooper Cup. What was it? Every play or, or all but one play? What is it? He basically went back and said, where's Cooper Cup when he threw in that game the other night? Yeah, he did.
2: He he locked in on him. I was watching the highlight reel and a lot of the catches are on short intermediate routes underneath. The TD catch was on some blown coverage over the top, but yeah, Cooper Cup's finding space underneath, and I think for Jared Goff, who looked good also as a result of of Cup, you know, playing well, this is a totally different setup than last year. And I, I just I, I've at least in the last week tried to kind of open up the, my mind to the possibility that the Rams are not a bad offense anymore. <laughs> you know, they've they've got Todd Gurley who coming off a of torn ACL as a rookie looked awesome. Watkins has that elite talent you're looking for in a real number one receiver. And they got the changes to the coaching staff in addition to selecting Cup in the draft this spring. So the weapons are totally different. There won't be a lot of pressure on golf week to week because the defense is going to be good. I I think this is a a surprisingly competent Rams team. And maybe the bar was just really low from the Jeff Fisher era. Right. But I think people forget like Derek Carr is a rookie, averaged 5.5 YPA. He didn't turn the ball over as much as Goff on like a per attempt basis, but things can change pretty quickly when you start to give a young quarterback new weapons and a better coaching staff. So yeah, do I do? I think that Jared Goff's going to come out and rip off an 8.0 yards per attempt kind of season. No, but I can see him taking a nice step forward and at least making guys like Watkins and cup viable week to week starters. And that's something that even, Three weeks ago, I wasn't necessarily on board with. I think the, the more I get to see Cooper Cup, the more I understand why the Rams took him and, and why he was so productive, even when he matched up, you know, against power conference teams
1: in college. All right. So is the Rams offense. Do you think it will improve to a point to where you would now consider Jared Goff if you're picking a QB two in a 12-team mm, QB2, 12 team league?
2: Hmm. QB two, 12 team. You know, if I've got one of the like the top five or something and I just felt like in the league I'm in, I have to have a backup because things are gonna get thinned out, I right. could see the case for it. I think the the movement so far, I don't I don't I don't wanna completely overreact to the preseason. I think the movement for me would be in a two QB league or a super flex league, whereas I was not interested in golf at all previously, he'd be the guy I would kind of seek out as the cheap third quarterback, yeah. the guy that I can plug in when one of my two starters either goes like at Denver or at Seattle, if it's a you know, kind of a mid tier guy or when those players are on by and I could feel pretty good about him as the third, especially because it'll be cheap. But I think in, in leagues really league start one, I'm still more of a wait and see scoop him up off the waiver wire. If he's that good, you know, cause I, I think that's, that's going to be where the, the line is for him in year two.
1: Okay. Um, so, so basically maybe ahead of guys like Cutler and Alex Smith and people like that. Yeah, I think ahead of Smith,
2: I think that's a good, it's an interesting question. Goff versus Cutler. Like at a two QB league, we had to start one every week. I'd probably say Cutler, but
1: it's, that's pretty pretty close. That's, that's pretty yeah. fair back-to-back, I think. Okay. Um, word out of Dallas. So a week, 10 days ago, Ezekiel Elliott got his suspension announced, and the instant reaction was, everybody grabbed Darren McFadden. Now it wasn't from everybody because some people went, you know, well, oh, how safe is Darren McFadden? You know, maybe it could be Alfred Morris or Rod Smith or whatever. Like you know, we and McFadden could get hurt. Now, the dreaded committee is rearing its ugly head as a possibility. Are you interested in drafting any of the Cowboy backup running backs? I've got a couple shares of McFadden
2: already, and that seems adequate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the. The timeshare possibility is frustrating because, you know, Alfred Morris hasn't really been good each of the last two seasons under four yards per carry last year as the primary backup to Zeke 3.5 yards per carry behind that offensive line, (laughs) 69 carries, nothing over 20 yards like that. That to me, the why you'd want to make him anything more than a backup makes very little sense to me. I mean, I I think McFadden, sure. He's got the physical limitations last year. They played three games because of injury because he broke his elbow, but he was good in 2015 over a thousand yards. Right. Caught 40 passes. I think Morris should just be the clear backup until Zeke comes back and McFadden should be the guy. And whether the Cowboys do that or not, I guess is anyone's
1: anyone's guess at this point. But I, what am I missing with Alfred Morris? I nothing. You, you're not The only thing you're missing is that, Hey, with the Redskins, he was good for a couple of years. And right was a long and time it's like ago. gone it's over that right the past i agree all right speaking of the redskins um we were not you and me we but many of us ready to almost write off Samaj p ryan um he was a very popular guy over the summer that he boy he was going to come in and you know kick fat rob kelly to the curb and then we heard stories out of camp and then in the first preseason game he he hit the uh He hit the trifecta of dropping a pass, missing a block. What's the trifecta? What's the third thing? I know it was dropping and fumbling. fumbling. Thank you. Fumbling. And everybody said, see ya. Rookie running backs cannot do that. Your coach is going to bury you. Well, um, over the weekend, second preseason game, eight carries, 45 yards, and caught a pass for 29. And now, you know, maybe, maybe we have all overreacted more than Jake Rudin did. To P. Ron. Are you still, right? Draft wise, P. Ryan and Kelly are actually very close, uh, ADP wise. Who would you rather have? If I'm
2: playing a, a zero running back sort of strategy, and at that point, I'm just looking for someone who I think is going to get carries early, Kelly makes more sense mm-hmm. in that vein because I think P. Ryan's going to have to take the job from him once the games start to count. As far as like a best lottery ticket, if I already got running backs, I'm going to start early in the year, P. Ryan every time because I do expect the job to change hands. And I think sometimes we, we underrate the value of someone being a starter for four to six weeks before they cough the job. You may have a couple of good games sprinkled in before things start to change. But is, is this a, is this a situation where with Rob Kelly, like Samaj P Ryan is just so much more talented that Kelly doesn't even have to play poorly to lose his job. That P right. Ryan could just be better. And, and the coaching staff could be one that says, you know, Rob Kelly is going to be maybe the occasional short yardage back or we'll give him a series every third or fourth series. We'll give him some opportunities, but P Ryan's going to be our guy. I think the only thing that would lead me to just be a little hesitant on P Ryan is a fourth rounder. He's like a second or third rounder. They'd have that extra little nudge to get him on the field sooner. But I, I, I like, I like the way, I like the way he was running Saturday. Mm-hmm. Very productive at Oklahoma. And I think the interesting thing about him, he's not going to catch a lot of passes regardless. So like the pass protection thing, like missing a block in pass protection probably doesn't matter as much for him because Chris Thompson's a pass catching specialist who's going to be out there in those third down situations a lot anyway.
1: Right. All right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I kind of like the idea of Kelly to ride him out for as long as I can and see what happens. Um, all right, everybody, we would recommend that you go to fantasy sports markets.com fantasy sports markets has the best DFS contests available with cash awards and big bonus prizes every day. As always with fantasy sports markets, no salary caps. You can draft who you want on your roster. You want to go Antonio and Beckham and David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Go for it. Try the free-to-enter preseason football contest. The prize is a copy of Madden 18, which comes out this week. Register today. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get $15 in promotional credit towards your contest entries. It's available to all U.S. residents. Go to fantasysportsmarkets.com today. Thanks a lot, Fantasy Sports Markets. All right, we're going to close out. We're going to talk about some running backs, a couple that we have been mentioned already. Guys who are in the draft-wise, let's say they're in the RB2 range tier, who... Some people are looking, going, "I don't, I don't trust that guy." I think someone's going to take over for him. Um, Spencer is the first one. You mentioned that Kareem Hunt's getting some run with the ones um, in the last game. What Spencer is good? I know Kareem Hunt's good too, so that's a problem. What do you do? I mean, do you want any shares of Spencer Ware? <sighs> Not
2: at the current price, because I. I look at Spencer Ware and, and Rob Kelly and their efficiency last year, and I'm like, what's the difference? Like, why are people drafting Spencer Ware so much earlier than they're drafting Rob Kelly? Like, and both are good enough to, to hold the job if they are getting the volume, but both have really talented rookies behind them that could easily bump them to number two in the depth chart. So, if, if Spencer Ware is going to cost me a top 65, top 70 pick, if I got to take him before the end of round six, it's not going to happen. Uh, I think he's got to slide two or three rounds. Uh, I, I think the, the situation in Kansas City is kind of a coin flip, a lot like the Washington one, where you could see, so where is the incumbent start for four to six weeks and the rookie in Hunt, in this case, take over thereafter, if not even sooner? I mean, I, I, I see a lot of risk in where at that price.
1: OK, um, yeah, he's the 22nd back off the board that I'm seeing here. OK. And hunts hunts gaining on him. Let's put it that way. Indy Frank Gore. Now Frank Gore is he, he's not an exciting guy. He's more of a he's a floor player more than a ceiling player. And and at some point the ride's going to end because every year we write off Frank Gore and every year Frank Gore tells us no not yet. Is this it? Is is Marlon Mack the reason we we can get off the Frank safely get off the Frank Gore train even as a middle round sort of if you're zero R being and saying. Oh, round six, I'd be happy to take Frank Gore in his 900 yards and seven touchdowns. Yeah, I'm, I'm letting Frank
2: Gore go to somebody else. I mean, a, a zero running back would be the only scenario where I'd take him. You know, you say, OK, well, he's, the, he's the guy for now. And maybe he'll defy all logic again and, and do it uh, for another year. But it seems increasingly unlikely that Frank Gore, just from a pure physical standpoint, can hold up for an entire season. Is it Mac or is it Robert Turbin? I know. I mean, Turbin had eight TDs last year, so they like him in short yardage. And the the low per carry number, you kind of have to take that and and realize, like, he can't break off a long run when he's getting the ball inside the 10-yard line. He had 15 of his 47 carries inside the 10, and 10 of those 15 came inside the 5. So 3.5 yards per carry might be negligible and it's it's how the coaching staff feels about the players that that matters with regards to how those touches get distributed so i can see Turbin getting the first opportunity but if you're a colts fan you gotta be pretty excited about marlon Mack. i mean he looked elusive he looked good running against the the lion or the cowboys rather this weekend so i i i think Turbin's still ahead of mac on the depth chart it's probably a situation to just avoid entirely if you he can help it
1: yeah it's too bad um yeah it, you, you want to pick one i i still I, I love that idea of gore but at this point i, I think i might be with you uh, i it's one of those guys is i t- every time i tweak my rankings i'm trying to i find reasons to drop frank gore a slaughter or two. so yeah yeah it's, it's easy right right it's gravity all right the last one i wanted to mention is cj anderson and the reason is d'angelo henderson he played well again um he looked good and cj anderson i like cj anderson and I thought this year was going to be a nice year for him. You know, the injuries have you have you nicked him up sometimes. I thought he was going to come in and play well. And D'Angelo Henderson Henderson just looks really, really good. Are you are, are you interested in CJ Anderson at a round five or six price? I would take CJ Anderson over Spencer
2: Ware every single time because they're right. going kind of at similar points and. There's a few reasons. I mean, if Jamal Charles is healthy and on the roster in week one, I don't expect Charles to be a starter anymore. But he can be a good complimentary piece. He could be a guy that maybe ages a little bit like Chris Johnson has aged in Arizona, albeit I think Charles was a better player for a longer period of time. But that kind of role, that, that sort of clear backup, you know, when the starter goes down, comes in, gets a lot of volume, and is useful, that kind of role is reasonable to expect from Charles. Anderson had back-to-back seasons where he averaged 4.7 yards per carry. He got dinged up last year. I think he was playing hurt for a while, too. He can catch some passes. And I think with D'Angelo Henderson, as much as we can get hyped up about a rookie who looks as explosive as, as he has, he's five-seven. I, I, right. I still – I just have my doubts about the coaching staff trusting him as more than kind of a specialist. And maybe he makes the roster. Maybe they keep four running backs. Anderson, Booker, Charles, Henderson. Because Henderson plays special teams. I'm just having a difficult time seeing a sixth rounder at five foot seven coming in and, and taking over a backfield or having enough of a role to where Anderson and Charles you know, aren't just dominating the backfield. And if, if Henderson does make it, it's probably because Charles is still hurt or Charles looked really bad. And in that case, it's Anderson, 65 to 70 percent and Henderson, like no more than 30 percent of the touches. So I think the ceiling is still really limited, even though D'Angelo Henderson's drawn some raid reviews and looked good through the two weeks of the preseason.
1: All right. So, so if you're right, then C.J. Anderson is going to be kind of a nice value where he's going. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's there's
2: there are a lot of paths for that to happen. And he's an important player, as I mentioned before. I think the Denver offense needs more out of the running game that's going to be really important to that team over the course of this season
1: all right everybody listeners to our podcast can get a free 10-day rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed that lets you check out nearly all the features on the site check it out rotowire.com slash pod that's gonna be it um derek what you would know better than anybody what fantasy football draft prep information should people look for this week at Rotowire, because, quite frankly, this is the big draft weekend coming up. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of articles going up on the site as
2: uh, as per usual. But uh, the big thing for me is just making sure that you find the draft tools that you want to use. And that's, that's the key because we have a few different things you can do. There's the rankings on the site uh, where you can go to the page and actually punch in the league scoring system so you can draft out of a browser. You can download the draft kit on your iOS device, whether you want to do it on the iPhone or the iPad. I like the iPad a little better, a little bigger screen. Uh, you can roll with that. Or you can download the draft software on Mac or PC. Uh, I use the Mac draft software the most of all those tools. You know, Find the, the tools you like the most for your draft because you want to be familiar with whatever tool that is before draft day gets here. So this, this is your week to really explore the site Get used to those options, land on one and read all the great articles that are coming up.
1: All right. Everybody do that. Remember, if you have your draft this week, like I said, a lot of people do. So if you're ready to go, don't get caught behind. Check out all the great stuff on Rotowire. All right, everybody. Hey, Derek, I'm looking forward. We're going to do this. So every Monday, everybody, every Monday morning, we're going to record and recap Sunday's action. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, bud. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. All right, everybody, again, if you like this podcast, please leave a rating, or review wherever you're listening. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Water Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday. Um, wrestler Eric Young, please come back and check it out. Uh, we're going to have plenty more great fantasy football information. Eric's a big fantasy football guy. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?